are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for USA Today for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode, we will be recapping Kentucky basketball's massive win over the Kansas Jayhawks. 80-62 to was the final score. We're going to break down the first half, going to talk about the second half, and then some final thoughts uh, to wrap up the show here. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. So let's go ahead and get started. The first half, obviously this is a huge win um, for Kentucky. Did not expect this to be a blowout. I predicted a one-point win uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats. Thought this game was going to be close. Thought we were going to see a very well-paced, high-scoring game. And well, One team scored a decent amount of points, and the other one simply just could not get the ball to go through the hole. So, all right, here we go. Kansas started off the uh, the game relatively quick. They got a quick five points in transition. They got a three to start off the ball game. Kentucky got a miss, and then Kansas was out and running. I believe Christian Braun caught a lob, and then it was 5-2 or something like that early. And then Kentucky started to settle down. They started to work their offense, and let me tell you, it was a very efficient offense for the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky was running to the paint early. They were attacking it, and Kansas simply could not stop them. And something that I didn't think about, that I I don't think I really talked about in the preview episode of this game, was the physicality in this matchup. I thought there was going to be a little little bit of finesse in this game. I thought we would be running up and down the court and we would be shooting uh, threes and jumpers and we would be just going at a very high pace and there was going to be a lot of points scored. I did not think about the physicality in the paint for both these two teams and how they matched up. Obviously, Oscar Shibway is probably the player of the year at this point. I mean, there's not really a whole lot of debating it, I don't think, at this point. Uh, obviously, the clear frontrunner for the Kimpom uh, player of the year. I would not be surprised if he was the winner of the Wooden Award as well. But he is obviously a very physical presence inside. And I didn't think about how that, w- that would affect the the Jayhawks. And not only just Shibwe, but guys like Lance Ware, Jacob Toppin. I didn't think about how they would be able to play in this game. And let me tell you something. Kansas had a very, very, very hard time containing Oscar Shibwe and then at the same time also containing Kentucky's role players. It was weird to see, you know, after talking about how I thought that Kentucky had a little bit of a front court uh, issue, I thought they had a, a little bit of lack of depth there. Not necessarily depth, but... You know, Shibwe is kind of like your star, and then when you go to the bench, you're not you're not getting like fantastic minutes. But this game, uh, Kentucky's front court played very, very well, very physical. Uh, I saw a lot of very good things from Kentucky's guys, not just Shibwe, but just bullying Kansas uh, inside. The Jayhawks had a very tough time rebounding early on in this game. Uh, I believe at one point the discrepancy was was over ten or fifteen. It was something ridiculous in the first half. Or Kentucky was just grabbing every single board that was going up, and Kansas really just simply couldn't do a lot to stop it. Now, I don't know if that was necessarily effort or intensity, or if it was just simply they didn't have the right players and they matched up poorly with Kentucky. Either way, Kentucky dominated on the glass, they dominated in the paint, 
And their three front court players, uh, in my opinion, play very well in the uh, the first half. Bill Self was actually trying to tell the players to actually go and get the ball. So maybe it's part partially a uh, lack of intensity, but it's not like Kansas has bad front court players. I mean, we talked about David McCormick as a very uh, very talented uh, front court player that's been there for quite some time now. Let me tell you something: McCormick got bullied in this game. He got bullied, and at, at some points it just seems like he didn't really want to play a lot of defense, and then Bill Self, uh, late in the first half, and then I believe early in the second half, pulled McCormick uh, for a, a freshman. Freshman center K.J. Adams uh, let Adams play 12 minutes in this game, and, and that's just, just weird to see Kansas's veteran players just not really stepping up to the plate in an SEC Big 12 Challenge game against a team that... Well, I wouldn't necessarily say Kentucky and Kansas are like huge rivals, but it's definitely a rivalry type of environment, right? And, it, and, it's, and it's a game you want to win considering last time you, you played them, you lost. So uh, it, was, it was definitely a game where there should have been a lot of intensity. And Kansas, again, I don't really think there's a, another way to put it. They got bullied. Um, they just simply uh, they just simply got bullied, and the, the lead grew, and it grew, and it grew, and Kentucky was just knocking down shots in the paint. They were throwing lobs. You know, the offense was flowing well. Kansas wasn't playing necessarily frantically, or they weren't playing, like, out of sorts or out of rhythm. The looks that they were getting at the rim just simply were not going down. They put up a ton of shots at the rim early on in the first half, and just they would just rim out, and Kentucky would get a rebound, and they'd push, push the fit pace and either work something really well in the half court, or they'd get a quick uh, look at the rim in transition. Grady also had a really first, uh, really good first half. Kellen Grady did. Uh, played very well in the transition game and then spotting up to shoot. I believe he knocked down a pair of threes. Um, at one point, the, the lead was 15 and a half, and then Self had to call a timeout just off a beautiful look for uh, Grady in transition, just knocking stuff down. Kentucky was just knocking everything, everything down. Kentucky, like I mentioned, though, while Grady did, Grady did get a couple of shots up, Kentucky attacked the rim, and that was the most important thing in this first half. From the very beginning of the half to the very end, where a lob from Wheeler to Keon Brooks with, I believe, about 28 seconds left, put the Wildcats up by 20 points heading into the halftime break. The last time Kansas was losing by that many points at half was 1996. That's the last time they were getting beat that badly at home. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. Kentucky... We'll talk about it later on in the show, but I have it put down on my notes here in the first half. It's like it was at that point after Brooks caught that lob that I realized Kentucky's the Final Four team if they're healthy. I mean, that is definitive. That that is one hundred percent definitive. Their A game, Kentucky's A game, I think might may be better than anybody else's A game in the country. And what I mean by A game is like you're playing at your peak. You've got all your healthy players. You're playing your brand of basketball to a T. I mean, it is just perfect. Your perfect game. I think Kentucky's perfect game may be better than everybody else's. And I think a lot of uh, metrics reflect that. And we can dive into that later on this week. And I think a lot of whenever you actually watch them on film, I think a lot of film will also. Uh, resemble that. And it's fantastic because I think Kentucky's A game includes some of these other role players playing very well outside of Oscar Shibwe. And we'll talk about those guys later on. Uh, but but again, a 20-point lead at the half, and Kansas was just simply reeling. And, I was, and, and at that point, I'm like, are they really going to come back down from 20? I don't think they are, unless Kentucky just completely falls apart, which I don't think they're capable of doing. Um, I mean, they almost did it to Vanderbilt, but 
I, 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 I did not expect Kentucky to, to lose that game, and then they eventually went and in, in won out. I believe they led by 24 at some point in the first half. It was just – or in the second half, excuse me, just a very impressive overall, very impressive performance in the first half. We're going to talk about what happened in the second half in just a second, but before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at GetUpside. All right, Kentucky fans, let me tell you about an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. If you have Get Upside, as all locked on Kentucky listeners should, then you will be making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play uh, Store right now and use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to, up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Again, just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. All right, moving along here on the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Again, thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. By the way, the YouTube has been popping off. I don't know if you're listening on podcasts, but if you want to go check out the YouTube, Locked On Kentucky, go subscribe. Would really appreciate it. Really loving the engagement that y'all are giving. Really, really love the conversations and the discussions about different things. Talking about CJ Frederick with somebody a couple of days ago, and, and we were kind of sitting there going like, yeah, what happened to that guy? Like sitting there like, I don't think a lot of people are talking about the fact that he's still on roster and what would he have done in this Kentucky lineup? I think he would have been fantastic. Uh, and I and definitely would like to, to, to think that, to think that he's coming back next season. Uh, and, and, and I started looking earlier. It's like, okay, who are the, some, some of the players that are going to be coming back next season? It's like, well, where Jacob Toppin's probably coming back for his senior season. Severe Wheeler may come back for his senior season. I would expect, that he would. I, I, we can we can get into that later. But there are a lot of different guys that are coming back this season, the next season, that will blend with some of these guys coming in. Guys like Chris Livingston, guys like Sky Clark. I think this is going to be a very. I know that we're we're hitting the peak of this season, but just thinking about next season really really excites excites me. All right, second half, Kentucky, Kansas. I said can, uh, Kentucky's front court depth was it was an issue, and those guys played well. Jacob Toppin had 11 points in 11 minutes. Can you really ask for much more? I mean, that's about as good as it gets for, for a role player. And then Lance Ware had four points and four rebounds in 10 minutes. And I've been on and off on Lance Ware, criticizing him, praising him, criticizing him. I think he's really coming into his own as the season has progressed. He's playing well for his role. He plays in sets well whenever we're trying to run lobs to him. I think, he's, I think he plays well in his role, and he plays very physical trying to grab rebounds. I think he is going to be a valuable piece next season, and then eventually if he does come back for a senior season. Uh, Kansas played 11 players, and we've talked about the Kentucky depth on this podcast before, and we've talked about how it might be an issue, especially whenever you like when you lose a player like Ty Ty Washington, who, who's back, and we'll get to him in a moment. Uh, when you lose a player like Ty Ty Washington against Auburn, it's like the depth, the lack thereof, or in terms of star talent on, on your bench, the lack of depth there is very apparent after you lose a guy like Ty Ty Washington. And there have been times this season where you can see, okay, Cal is going to stick to these seven or eight players that he's going to play, and he's not playing anybody else. But in this game, you know, I believe Kentucky played eight players on ESPN, actually talking about C.J. Frederick here for a second. It said that he was, was out on the court at some point this game. He wasn't. Um, but it, I thought it was funny that ESPN recorded that, but... Uh, the, Kansas played 11 players in this game as opposed to Kentucky's uh, eight, I believe, and 10 of them scored. So one of these teams has a depth issue, and the other team played 11 players and 10 of them scored, and they only managed to collect 62 points. 
It just wasn't. It just was not Kansas's night offensively. And the saddest thing is that Joseph Yesifu, uh, who was a guard coming off the bench for Kansas, he's the only player that didn't score. Put two shots up, missed them both. Um, he last season, if you've heard the name before, if you watch college basketball, he averaged thirteen a game at Drake last year. Drake University, I believe. I believe it was the Drake Bulldogs. Uh, averaged thirteen a game. Very athletic guard. Uh, was the catalyst in Drake's upset win over uh, Wichita State. Uh, in the NCAA tournament. It's a shame he doesn't get to play more. I went and looked at his stats, averaging 1.6 points per game. I don't know if it's just that he transferred and expected to play and, and maybe get some more minutes here, year two, essentially. I believe he's a sophomore, but Kansas isn't playing him. And maybe that's because they've got talent and depth, but it, it just kind of confused me. It's like, hmm, a guard that was playing that well on a big stage, why is he not getting more minutes anyway? Anyway, just random thought there. Uh, Keon Brooks went absolutely ballistic in this game. Uh, the king of the two-point jumper, I said initially it was Keon, then I said it was Ty Ty. It is officially Keon Brooks's title. My, my good sir, you are king of the two-point jumper. Congratulations. I should get a sticker or a hat that says something like that. He went off. Career high, 27 points. And I've complained before about the shot selection for Kentucky. Uh, I've complained about just everybody's shot selection, really. But Keon Brooks, I've really kind of, I've not been, I've not been rude, but I've said like, I don't like his shot selection and specifically talking about two point jumpers. Now I've gotten comments before that have complained about like, Oh, there's here's somebody that didn't play and didn't know anything about two point jumper. Sure. While two point jumpers may be something that you need to utilize in your offense. Statistically think about it. I mean, it's, it's a two point shot that is hit 35% of the time. Wouldn't you like to do one of two things, either get closer to the basket or step out and try and hit a three-point shot that goes in about 35, 33% of the time. It's statistically inefficient as compared to other shots, but the thing is with Kentucky is that they're knocking those shots down, and I think that makes an offense incredibly difficult to guard, and I think we're starting to see that, i.e. Kansas just let up 80 points at home, uh, and Keon Brooks was knocking down just about everything from mid-range. So he took nine jumpers. I, I went and looked at his, uh, his uh, shot chart. He took nine jumpers. He made five of them. That's 55.6%. And like I said, on average, you're, you're probably going to knock down about 35%. So, so, I mean, we'll take that. We'll take that. I'm not complaining about that. I think, look, if you're going to knock them down, if you're going to take as many as you do, if you're going to knock them down, that's okay. Makes it difficult to guard. Makes teams have to second-guess things. Makes teams have to adjust to you defensively. Look, if he's going to knock them down, he had eight rebounds and an, and an assist to go with it, the, 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 the 27 points, I say do it. I say do it. I, I, don't, I don't have any problem with Keon Brooks scoring 27, going 9 of 16, and knocking down five jumpers. I, I say how about it. Same thing for Ty Ty because, hey, Ty Ty was back. Ty Ty was back. He played 37 minutes. Or excuse me, he played 33 minutes and he did everything but score. How about that? <laughs> uh, Ty Ty was one of nine from the floor. He was 0-4 from three. Surprised he took that many threes in this game. I don't. Uh, whenever you watch Ty Ty, it doesn't really seem like that's part of his game, even though he knocks him down on a high clip. But he had two points, three rebounds, five assists, and three steals. Only one turnover. So while he was one of nine from the field, I'm interested. I should have gone and looked at his plus minus because I bet it was very high, even though he was not making any shots, uh, he was still collecting rebounds, you know, getting assists, and he got a pair, uh, a few steals. So, Ty Ty, outside of scoring, played very well in this game. Uh, let's go ahead and just look at some of the stats here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll look at some more stats later on. But Kentucky didn't turn the ball over 
uh, much in this game, and that's really what kept Kansas from coming back. At one point, it was obviously a 20-point lead at half, then it was a 15-point lead for K- Kentucky, then it grew to 24, then it got down to 16, and then it ended up being an 18-point win for the, for, the, uh, for the Wildcats. But Kentucky didn't turn the ball over in this game, only had nine turnovers, as opposed to their 19 assists. Um, which was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Severe Wheeler with eight assists. Davion Mintz with three. Ty Ty with five, like I mentioned a second ago. Uh, so so overall, I think, man, it, whenever you go on the road and you're not going to turn the ball over and you're going to knock down your two-point jumpers and then you're collecting rebounds, Kentucky out-rebounded Kansas 41-29. to They had 12 offensive rebounds. I mean, this was just one of those games where you just kind of open your eyes and are like, wow, this team's... And I, and I believe we've had this moment before. We, I believe we talked about it during the North Carolina game, the Tennessee game. It's like, this team's highs are incredible. I don't know if anybody can beat them when they're at their peak. I mean, you score, what was it, 98 points against North Carolina, score 107 against Tennessee, which why don't we go look at what Tennessee's doing right now. So they gave up 107 points to the Volunteers. Or the Volunteers gave up 107 points. And Tennessee's only given up 62.5 per game. Still one of the better defensive efficiencies uh, in the entire country. Again, I'd, I really was impressed with what I saw overall in this game. And not letting Kansas come back, actually extending the lead at one point in the second half, um, was just incredibly impressive. I, I, I can't say enough about how proud I am of what I saw uh, on Saturday. All right, we're going to talk about the, uh, the parameters that I've set on Kentucky Wildcat wins. We're going to go over the four things that I think they need to do to win. We're going to ask, did they do that in this game? But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good. You'll actually want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or just plain awful. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. And I, I can imagine a lot of you a month into your New Year's resolutions, if you've been able to stick with it, uh, eventually eating just gets so healthy. And I completely understand dropping it at some point. And a few weeks in, you may get incredibly bored of, of, of uh, eating the way that you are. And you may be just asking, you know, where are the things that taste good? Where's the chocolate? Where's the sweets? Where, where's the, the things that actually make me want to eat healthy? Well, I'm here to tell you Built Bars taste delicious, first of all, and they are covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, most Built Bars contain 30, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, which is fantastic compared to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. They've got so many different flavors to choose from as well. You can get coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel. I would highly encourage you to try cookies and cream and salted caramel, mint brownie, and so many different more flavors. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so head over to Built.com to see what's new. And you can actually head over to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, you can go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky again. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. The four parameters here for Kentucky Wildcat wins. We're going to go over them here real quick. Did Kentucky, first off, did the Wildcats shoot the ball well? 
Now, in this game, you, you would like to assume that Kentucky shot the ball well because they scored 80 points, and then, then they did so. They were 31 of 61. It's a little over 50%. They shot the ball well. That's a win in my book. Yes, they did. Second thing here, did Kentucky have decent shot selection? Kentucky, okay, again, this goes back to what I was saying about Keon Brooks and the two-point jumper earlier. While their shot selection, if we're looking at national averages between teams taking two-point jumpers, their shot selection's not great. It's questionable. But, I mean, if you take a bunch of, of shots that go in 35% of the time that, are, that account for two points and you're making them at a 40 to 45 to 50% clip, then take them, knock them down. You know, teams have to adjust to that. I think that that's good shot selection if you're an anomaly and not only are you an anomaly, but you're being efficient in doing so. I think that's good. I think it's decent shot selection at the end of the day. Playing well in transition. Uh, the Wildcats, like I said, got out and ran in this game a little bit. According to CBS and ESPN, they only had 10 fast break points, which I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, but, I, but, uh, but I think there were moments in this game where Kentucky played well in transition. And Kansas only had seven fast break points. So defensively, there you go. I would say, yes, they played well in transition. And then the final thing here, protecting the rim. It's interesting. Kentucky didn't finish this game with a single block. They didn't get one block. And Kansas finished with 62 points and shot 40.7% from the floor. It was incredibly physical down low. And while Kentucky didn't pick up any blocks whatsoever, they were forcing misses at the rim, or at least it looked like to me. And so I, I would say, yes, I think Kentucky did protect the rim very well. You don't have to get blocks to protect the rim well. In fact, uh, for, for my Auburn fans that are still watching this and commenting about the game that happened over a week ago, um, which, by the way, y'all won that game. Y'all won that game. You're a good team. You won the game. If you're watching this as an Auburn fan, last year, Auburn was one of the best teams in the country in blocking shots, but they were the, one of the worst teams in the country in actually effective field goal percentage at the rim. They couldn't defend the rim, but they got a bunch of blocks. Um, so, so you can protect the rim without blocking shots, and I think Kentucky did that in this game. And then moving down the line here, this is something I wanted to talk about very briefly. Just talking about Auburn for a second, actually. Have the two best teams in the country already played each other? Were, are Kentucky and Auburn actually the best two teams in the nation? I've saw, I saw a couple people on Twitter talking about this. Auburn, currently sitting at 20-1, 20, 20 just beat a top 30 Ken Palm team by 18 at home. After almost losing to Missouri. Good job. And Kentucky is now starting to get all the players back, get healthy, and they're dominating. They just went on the road and beat the number five team in the country by eight by 18. You talk about Auburn winning by 18 at home. We just beat Kansas by 18 at their place, at the fog. So I, I honestly think you could make a case right now outside of maybe Gonzaga. And by the way, don't don't talk about Baylor. Don't talk about Baylor. They just lost to Alabama. And I don't know if you've seen Alabama playing basketball right now, but whoo, they are up and down. That's it. The NIT at its finest, baby. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, you know, maybe outside of Gonzaga, Auburn and Kentucky are probably the two best teams in the country. And we've already seen them play. I cannot wait to see them potentially play in the SEC tournament. I think that's going to be a phenomenal game. I'm not saying that I can't wait. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to beat the snot out of Auburn. I think it'll be a very competitive game. If Kentucky's healthy, I think it'll be fun. It'll be a really fun contest. Um, so I, I genuinely think, if you think about it, if you go look at the rankings, go look at some metrics, go look at some of these teams that have been playing well, I think right now, not talking about 
games that happened before, not talking about losses, not talking about when Auburn lost to UConn or whatever, Kentucky lost to Notre Dame. I'm talking right now. I think Kentucky and Auburn might be the best two teams in the country. I'm really interested to see what the AP poll says. I'm really interested to see what the AP poll says about that. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, send them to me. We'd love to hear them. I'll see you all tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody, and God bless.